Hello and welcome to Voices of Westerly, a new podcast from the United Theatre featuring conversations, many of which are recorded in front of a live audience, with the creative and professional individuals who make Westerly, Rhode Island such a unique and inspired community of leaders, innovators, and artists. I'm your host, Tony Nunes, Artistic Director of the United Theatre, here in the beautiful downtown arts district of Westerly, Rhode Island. The Voices of Westerly series is inspired by Westerly photographer and artist Josh Behan, who created a Faces of Westerly portrait series, which we premiered here a couple of years ago at the United and is now on permanent display and rotation in our halls. Voices of Westerly live discussions will take place monthly in our post-credit scene event space here at the United. In this episode, we'll be talking to Donifer Steer, local printmaker and artist. Enjoy the show. All right, so Donna, welcome. Thank you. Um, I start every one of these kind of in the same way um, with a little bit of backstory about how you found yourself in Westerly, whether you're born here or just ended up here one day out of happenstance. So let's start with your Westerly origin story and, and talk a little bit about how you came to this fine place called Westerly. Well, I think in 1957, I found myself in the Westerly Hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't aware of it at the time, but I grew up literally on the other side of the tracks. So I was born right here in Westerly and attended all the Westerly public schools. Even though my parents wanted me to go to private school, we talked them into public. So I, I started to do it that way. Okay. So I am from here, born, raised here, and I left when I was 18 and just came back two years ago. <laughs> so you were born in Westerly. Yes. Did you go to Westerly High School? I went to Westerly High School. I went to the school across the street first, kindergarten and that, and then I went to the middle school, which was Babcock Junior High, which is no longer there, and then I went to the Westerly High School and graduated in 75. And did you ever get out of Westerly for a, a period of time? I did. When I was 18, funny story, uh, John Denver was pretty big, and they were doing the Rocky Mountain High song, you know, so I decided I was going to pack up my little Subaru and go out to Colorado. And my car was packed with all kinds of food. Um, my girlfriend, Diane, came with me, and I, I just took off. And I drove across country, went to the University of Denver. I lasted a year, because I was so homesick. I missed Westerly so much. So then I left, transferred to the University of Maine in Orono, where I lived with, in my brother's house, took care of that, and worked in the restaurant business, and did murals in the town. But graduated in 79 from Maine, as an art teacher and immediately got a job in Maine and stayed there until I think it was 1986 or 83, actually 83, and then moved to Connecticut. So what kind of artist are you? Well, I'm an artist that definitely reflects on her upbringing. Um, I've never been a pretty artist, meaning not well, visually too, but never like pretty flowers and gorgeous landscapes, which I appreciate. I've always been one that enjoyed the culture here with the Calabres and Sicil Sicilian 
always enjoyed the house that I lived in and the environment around me. So I started drawing pen and ink. I used a rapidograph pen, I remember, and in high school, one teacher came to mind is Miss Pendleton. She was a woman that allowed me that freedom. So I just pursued it there, and I did a linoleum print, I remember. But my parents, during that time, you know, it's such a long time ago that you're not supposed to make messes in your house. That was not what you were allowed to do. So I had to really go outside to do that and come back in with different, different tools to do that. But they allowed me to pursue the arts. So when I said I wanted to go to art school and be an art teacher, that was a big deal. And that wasn't, I wanted to be an art teacher since third grade. I'm one of those sick people that always knew what I wanted to do. Can you imagine third grade? And you did it. With a Catholic school that I went to, Cal <laughs> did I tell you I went to Catholic school? No. <gasps> I should tell you that. Tell us your Catholic school story. Maybe I blocked it. <laughs> <laughs> Immaculate conception, where nuns were allowed to hit you, and you couldn't talk, and you had those desks that lifted up, so you were the only one sometimes that had your desk up talking to the person next to you, realizing, oh shoot, I'm in trouble. And that was the only F I ever got in my life, by the way, in conduct. So you're in trouble tonight. In conduct. <laughs> <laughs> I got an F in conduct. <laughs> but the, art, the um, third grade teacher, Mrs. Claire, Sister Claire, Sister Mary Claire, always had me help everybody in the classroom when it came to art. And I think that was the beginning. That was the beginning because it was such an honor to go help somebody and see how happy they were and excited about what they were doing. So I think it was actually then that I really wanted to teach art. I did not know I was going to be a professional artist because they didn't put those two together years ago. You taught and you didn't want to be an artist because you could never make a living. So I was a teacher. So when did you start making your own art kind of seriously? In high school, I did the first, the Wesley Outdoor Art Show with snow fencing, hanging my stuff up with clothespins and string. I painted rocks. God, I thought that was so silly now, right? I painted rocks. I painted mice on rocks, I remember. Then I did the Mystic one, the Matunic, Narragansett. So I used to do that all through high school. And, and then first year college, I kept doing it for a couple of years. And then I got a, a gallery show. And I was like, oh, this is serious. I'm not just painting rocks anymore. So outside of the teachers that were influential here mm -hmm. in Westerly or, you know, wherever you were at that time, I mean, what else about this area? You, you mentioned, you know, the, the Calabrese. Um, Calabrese. Calabrese. Siciliano, yes. Yeah. The, so what about that kind of attracted you in, in how you were doing your art or how you were viewing things or how that was inspiring you to look at things more artistically? Well, I think in any household, if you have the freedom to do what you really want to do to express yourself, that's the beginning of having your career. So when I would, I would come home every summer. And since I, w <clears throat> I was in college, I would work in the summer down here at Mesquamica Beach. And I was always welcomed back home. It was a comfortable place to be. It was fun. There was always so much to do. And then as far as artistically, I would take that and I picked up cameras then. I did a lot of black and white photography. So I would photograph a lot of scenes, you know, beaches, but I loved going down to Oak Street where family was. And I started to photograph the people and what they were doing and the soupy basements and the homemade wine. And that's what intrigued me more of coming home. It was so homey. It was so comfortable. It wasn't like things, cha things didn't change very much <laughs> over years. Now they're changing here. But years ago, Westerly, you came home, and it really wasn't too much that changed. I can even ask you, because you went to school with me. But it didn't change. It just stayed 
the same. You know, people left and new people came, but the environment, the United Theater, we always went there. So for my art purposes, I would take all that. I would take my mother, I photographed her, <clears throat> I did a piece just for my mother, I did a piece just for my father. I did a beautiful book for the um, procession they have every year in July, Lady Montcalm. I collected <laughs> thousands of scapulars, which they pass out through the streets, they're little things you put on little icons of the Virgin Mary. And I made a book out of that with my mother in it, my father. So my art was always my family and the people in my life since growing up here, just coming back. I don't know, does that answer your question? Yeah, or maybe yeah. not. I mean, it's a sense of place in your art. And, yeah, 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 absolutely. So you said that nothing changed. So what, what back then, I mean, what did you like to do about, like, what were the things in Westerly that were most appealing to you then? We'll get to the now yep. after, but, but then, you know, what fond memories do you have of Westerly before it made some changes? The Knickerbocker. <laughs> and I happen to work there now, isn't that funny? But the Knickerbocker was always the best place when I was coming home from college to gather with friends. I learned how to swing dance and dance. I loved to dance. My parents danced. We'd go to the Ocean House and dance downstairs. There was a bar down there that had live music. Um, it was just the best place to be. It was, fr I don't know, the word fresh comes to mind. Even though things didn't change, people changed. And attitudes got better because there was a lot of prejudice when I was growing up and I didn't know it because when you're born in an area and that's all you know, you know, so you don't realize it until you leave and come back. But that changed too every time I'd come home. I found, and that got more into my work as well. You know, I started to open up in, with my classrooms. A lot of my artwork also came from my students over the years, whatever experiences I was having there. Um, but I think the things I like to do is, and the movie theater, I mean, the things that I'm doing now <laughs> and the jobs I have now, the why, teaching dance, are all the things I always love to do. So I got to do that teaching for 45 years, and now I'm back to doing what I used to do. So, so what about now? Um, wow. What's changed in Westerly that, that's for the better, and what things maybe change that you don't love? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> And this is recorded, okay. And this is recorded, yeah. This on the my record. last day on yeah. this earth, no. <laughs> um, the things that didn't change that, I mean, I, actually what has changed is the arts, to me, have gotten more recognition, which is why we're doing this right now. This wouldn't have happened before. It was, I mean, the arts includes film, dance, drama, theater, every single thing that you think of that involves shelter <laughs> and clothing and all that is all part of the arts. So I think it wasn't that broad when I was growing up. When I came back, now it is. I think people have gotten a little bit more open-minded about all the big issues in the world, um, prejudices. We all have them, but they've gotten more understood or we're trying to. There's still people that lash out. Um, there's a lot more people that have opened up. And I, I guarantee that is from the arts. You know, because without that, you have no form of expression other than, I mean, you have your voice, but sometimes people don't like to talk. And through the arts is where you find out, obviously, on your walls right now, you find out more about this person by looking at what she's done than if you just read the book. So I think Westerly is getting to, to know that visuals are extremely important, hands-on. They're doing more hands-on things than they ever did. So what are your favorite things about the art scene in Westerly today? Oh. 
everything, really. The music is phenomenal. I'm missing the last beach concert right now. <laughs> you know how important that is to me. And the music, the film, what you're bringing in here, um, the artists I've met just meeting Annie. I mean, we've had artists through here all our lives, but not artists that really want other people to know they are, you know, and, and have involved the community in their own work, such as the gentleman Mark back there the photography studio around the corner. I mean, these are things that we never had and I wish we always did before. But thanks for bringing those here. So there's a lot. You, you know, I've never sat with an artistic director of this theater. You just came and you paid your money at the little booth and <laughs> you had your first kiss and then you left. <laughs> Jungle Book. <laughs> That's my romantic movie. Jungle Book? Jungle Book, uh, I remember it well. Balcony <laughs> stories from Jungle yes. Book. Oh. <laughs> We'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> yes, that'll be another podcast. <laughs> so can we talk a little bit about your art today? Sure. Um, and what you're doing. So so you've done a show here at I the United Theater in our gallery. Yeah. Um, and then, and you have a show. Yeah, I have a show coming up. Coming up. So part of one. Can I'm we, let's talk about that and, and talk about your art and how your art plays into what that show is and that group of artists that are coming through. Well, I, when I was in college, the last two years of college, I got into a printmaking class. And I took that class, and I fell in love. Because I used to, in high school, as I mentioned earlier, do pen and ink drawings, a fine line drawing. And that was one drawing, and then that was it. You messed up, you messed up. So when I took this first etching class, I'm like, wow, this is kind of the same feeling. I'm drawing on a plate. I printed it, and I got more than one. And I could play around with it. So. Lo and behold, I started to become a printmaker. I was serious about this. I was having so much fun. And I kept pursuing you know, teaching art. Over the years, I've done both all my life, pretty much. But when I started combining the two was when my life started to have more layers in it. Um, you are married for so many years, you get divorced, things happen, you get remarried. All those things in your life are layers to bring you where you are today. So in doing printmaking, I found that, I think what I really loved about the process, it was so layering. It was so much like my life. Not only did I choose images that had some impact on me, the process was so cool. It was just amazing, it was magical. It's like photography when I did black and white, you know, in the dark room, and that's where the magic is when that starts to open up. So in the print shop, if you're doing a metal etching, um, you would just drop it in. Talk in the mic if you can. Yeah. So I thought it was so cool that you would drop something into acid, you'd pick it up, and you'd see what was there. So I started to pursue that more and more. And then I did wood, and then I did this combination. Um, but Westerly itself, this was a car that my brother had when he was little, and he used to ride it with the a, with a pedals, okay? Um, there's elements of my family's house. There's places I've lived. So. I'm still doing that today. I still come back and do that. Along the way, I've met more and more printmakers, and we got together 30 years ago and decided we would form this little group. It was seven of us in 1993. And we decided we wanted the world to know what printmaking is. It's the process that books are come from. Well, you would have never had books today if it wasn't for that. It was a religious thing that got going with the monks. So we decided we, want the, we wanted the world to kind of know that. So we were all educators. We were all in college. 
we all taught professors, some of us high school teachers. I taught inner city Hartford. And we got together 30 years ago, formed this little group, and we started to find shows and ways to show what we're doing in an educational venue. So we've done that for 30 years now. So upcoming is our show of our 30th anniversary. And we chose the word pearl because it's 30 years when you're married. Um, so we use that and you're gonna see all different transitions of how we see pearl. Mine is that bottom one down here. And it's a linoleum, it's a wood cut, a laser cut. It's laser on acetate, and then it's a monotype on the very bottom. So it's all three, form, four forms of printmaking in that one right there. So bringing you forward, taught for 45 years, worked on my prints all the way. I would actually bring my artwork to school. My high school students in Hartford were the best carvers on linoleum and wood because I trusted them with tools. They thought I was nuts. And I had to count the tools before the class was over, make sure I got them all back, all my blades, and then I let them go. But I used to bring my work in, and that was a key of really making contact with the kids to show them that I was an artist, I am an artist, because a lot of teachers that I knew didn't practice what they taught. So I would show them what is from my home, and I would use that to, st to stir them up and to get some imagery out of them of where they're from. So I found it the best thing was to do my art, bring it in, talk to the kids, talk about my home. They all knew my family. And my mom would come up to school sometimes, and my kids. My kids used to help me teach. You know, that's inner city Hartford. Here, people wouldn't, we wouldn't think of that. But it made teaching easier for me, and it made them better students and understand it. So I think that brought me to the end where I left Hartford. I taught private for 23, and... Hartford for 15, and then I, I, my last four years before I came back home here two years ago was four years at Focus Center for Autism. That was the top of my list. It wasn't intentional, but when I got there, that made me realize how important, where you're from, um, what really means stuff to you, you know, because that's all you've got. You've got yourself and you've got whatever you have inside you from your past and present and the only way you can show that sometimes is through your art. And these kids that were in the Center for Autism, that's all they could do. Whatever they were feeling or thinking came out. It was no filters. So that was my last lesson learned, I think, before I moved here. So how are you incorporating education into your show? Your show opens uh, September 28th, 28th yes. um, here at the United. Um, and your, your, your show that you did previously here, you did teach a class on... Yes, I did, wood, I did monotypes. Yep. Uh, so what are you planning on bringing education-wise so with your show? Really good question. <laughs> um, I don't know yet, but I was <laughs> hoping to do some workshops. I could do a demo on monotypes, woodcuts. I could actually have a hands-on where people could actually do things. So I would look, look into this because it's coming. I just haven't figured it out yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Because <laughs> we have 30 artists and a few of them live here. Melody used to be the teacher at um, Norwich Free Academy, so she lives in Squamacket. So hopefully she'll be coming in to do some acidless etching um, with solar plates and stuff. So what are the different types of prints that are going to be on display? Oh, my gosh. Well, you've got etching, which is one of the old traditional pieces. This is a zinc plate that can be done in zinc and copper. There's engravings, woodcuts, which is a block of wood down there. Um, I put a block of linoleum down there. There's carving of linoleum. 
There's monotypes. Monotypes are where you just have a flat surface. Nothing is on it. And you can paint, draw, whatever. Wet, dampen your paper, put it on, and give it a nice rub and see if it pulls it up. If it does, you look at it, you go back and say, oh, I want to change it. And you can go through it. If you use something that's clear, you can see through it. Uh, probably one of the most complicated forms of printmaking, which was not my favorite, was lithography. And that would involve equipment that we just, I don't have. I don't know if anybody really has that anymore. But you have a combination print on the top there. So you'll be seeing that. You'll be seeing some solar plates, people that use the sun to actually bite the plates. Um, you'll be seeing a lot of silk screening, okay, serigraph, serography, and there's photography involved as well because there's that dynamic and exchange of is photography a form of printmaking? It is, and it can be used within it. They're all tools of each other. Um, so it's printmaking is complicated, and it's time-consuming, but it is fun. And it can be immediate. There's so many different choices. People go, I don't like to paint. I don't like to draw. Well, you don't have to do any of that. You could just make a mark and then make it again and change it, turn it around, different colors. You know, what does it sound like, taste like, look like, smell like? I go through all the senses when I teach and do demonstrations and ask you to think of what that would sound like. And then you put it down. What would it think? What, what would it look like, smell like, taste like? And then by the time you're done, you've got something pretty meaningful to you, you know? So um, the show is going to be great, and we have live music, too. You do? We do. So where are you doing this work here in Westerly, and, and do you find today that, you know, being in Westerly is still inspiring you and you're finding new inspirations by, by doing the work here, if you're even doing it in, in Westerly Yeah, proper? I have a studio behind, um, on Merchant Square, behind Bar Coast, and I have a little freestanding, it was a laundromat, that I found empty and asked for who owned it, had it gutted, and inside I have a Charles Brand etching press, which they don't make anymore, and so do you have one too. Um, so I have my big drying racks in there, I have about two or three tables, and I use the walls as a gallery. And I have, thank God, a bathroom in there. But that's my little space. I don't have studio hours because I'm sporadic, because I like to enjoy Westerly. And I like my studio to be when I'm ready and feel like it. And rainy days are great for that. But otherwise, I am such a beach person. I love the ocean. Love just to sit there. And you'd think I'd be painting the ocean the much as I love the ocean, right? I love it. I grew up on the ocean. I have to be there. And I love eating in Westerly. And I love live music. So there's just so many things that go back and forth. But the greatest thing is you can just take a day off, walk through town, and do all these things without making a plan. Westerly's like that. It's a town. You know, there's not a lot of towns left. There's a lot of malls. But there's not a town where you can walk to the post office, you know, and walk here and walk to a bookstore, sadly. But that'll happen, I guess. It will happen. It'll yeah. happen again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Um, I bought the, I, we bought a condo 12 years ago, and we, that was our second home. And we thought, okay, we'll retire here. And then when COVID hit, as it happened to everybody here, you took different changes and turns in your life. So it was time to sell, leave, and where do we go? Here. I didn't want to live in a condo. And then the light bulb went off after being here a year. I'm renting a studio. <laughs> 
I'm getting out of the basement of the condo where I was trying to make my studio. And I think that's where I just really feel comfortable now. You know, I'm more comfortable in Wesley now than I was when I was growing up. There's things I've never seen. There's, there's a lot here. There is. There's a lot to see. That's a good segue to the way, the way I like to end all of these conversations is with kind of a, a big question, which is, you know, in the next five, ten years, um, what would you like your impact to be on Westerly? Or what would you like to do and, and change or to spur change that you might see is necessary here in Westerly? Having as much rec more recognition for the visual arts because I know our music is doing phenomenal. And I know our theater and our film is doing really well. I don't think our visuals are up to that yet. And I don't know if our schools are up to that yet too. So I would like to help the education departments and I'd like to help anything that's visual with the arts, promoting it, putting shows together, whatever, you know, when it's on my time. Yeah. Of course. That's a big thing. Because all of a sudden it was like, well, do you want to volunteer and do that? Uh, no. Yeah, I got to think about this. So I don't want to get too overwhelmed either because I, I, I love doing my art. I don't do my art for you. Sorry. But that's not who I am. I just do my art for me. And there's, there's a lot of differences in different artists that way. Like she might have done her work for people, but the way she did it was for her. Those were her stories. So there's that too. You can do it for you as long as it's my story. That's why I don't really do like, will you paint a portrait of my daughter? No. Unless you want her in a cypress tree in Italy, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I love Westerly and I was just so excited. That's why I, did, I wanted to do this because this is my town. My parents would be so happy. Right? Yes. Um. Thank you, Donna, for You're joining welcome. us. You're welcome. Everybody come and check out her show opening here on September 28th. Yeah, you have an invite on your seat. Thanks for tuning in to the United Theatre Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. And if you could take a moment to leave a review, we'd greatly appreciate it. Your feedback helps us create content that you love. So hit that subscribe button and leave us a review, and we'll see you on the next episode.